This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Good morning and welcome to worship. Today through the word, the Lord reminds us that he patiently but persistently looks for fruits of faith in our lives. As we live here in this world, confidently trusting that our citizenship is in heaven. Our second reading this morning, Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 21. These words will also serve as our sermon text this morning. Paul writes, Not that I have already obtained this, or have already reached the goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus also took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it yet, but there is one thing I do, forgetting the things that are behind and straining toward the things that are ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let all of us who are mature continue to think this way, and if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this to you too. Only let us think the same thing and walk in line with what we have already attained. Brothers, join together in imitating me and in paying attention to those who are walking according to the pattern we gave you. To be sure, many walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. I told you about them often, and now I am saying it while weeping. Their end is destruction. Their God is their appetite, and their glory is in their shame. They are thinking only about earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. We are eagerly waiting for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. He will transform our humble bodies to be like his glorious body. The word of the Lord. To those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father and kept by Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Amen. My dear family in Christ, picture for a moment a piece of paper, a really important piece of paper. It's the deed to a property, Oceanside property, in the Bahamas. It's got a beautiful house with a pool and a fantastic view. That name on the deed is your name. That house is your house. It's amazing, and it's all yours. You were blessed to receive it, because of the generosity of a rich uncle who left it for you. It's your inheritance. It's yours. But you're not living there yet. It's where you're going to live someday after you retire. You're not living there yet, but there isn't a day that goes by when you don't think about how wonderful it's going to be living in that paradise. Too good to be true? Maybe so, but dear Christian, as a believer in the Lord Jesus, you have something infinitely better. 
Because the Lord our God, in a stunning act of love, a love that we call grace, has declared you righteous in the Lord Jesus Christ. He came to you in your baptism and adopted you to be his own dear child. He washed away your sin and planted faith in your heart. He took hold of you and he made you an heir of an everlasting paradise called heaven. And that's what the Lord, through the Apostle Paul, is telling us here in our text. And friend, between now and the moment of your retirement from this earthly life, God wants you to think about, to focus on, and to find comfort in the coming glory of heaven. Christians, God wants us to believe and to live this amazing truth this morning that our citizenship is in heaven. This present earth is not your home. No, no matter how long or how short, your life in this world is simply a journey. You are merely a tourist here. Your citizenship is, not will be, not could be, your citizenship is in heaven. And not only does that give us hope for the future glory, a glory that will never end, but it also shapes and defines the, the way that we live here and now. Do you remember, if you were alive, what your life was like back in October of 1983? It's a long time ago, 40 years ago. I believe it was my first year of college. 40 years is a long, long time. You'll remember, of course, that's the amount of time that the people of Israel were wandering in the wilderness. They faced some very difficult and challenging situations during those 40 years. How did they persevere? Because the Lord held before them this goal, this promise, that he would bring them safely into the promised land of Canaan. And eventually the God who never breaks a promise did just that. He brought them safely into that promised land, a land that was flowing with milk and honey. In very much the same way, we are on a journey. And we travel through this wilderness called the world. And we face all kinds of difficulties and challenges, but we have a goal in mind, a goal that God promised us. This is not your home. Heaven is your home. Your citizenship is in heaven. And eventually, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, who won that inheritance for you, God will bring you into the promised land. But Paul's reminding us here that we haven't yet reached that goal. He's talking here about how we live in the meantime. Our life in Christ during this earthly journey is going to take focus, determination, and discipline. Paul here is using the analogy of a runner running a race. That, that runner is fixated on the finish line. Paul tells us here to press on toward it, like a, a coach calling out to a track star from the, from the side of the track, keep going, keep running, don't give up, stay focused, you're going to do it. Paul here is kind of running alongside of you and reminding you of the heavenly goal and your life in Christ, and he's telling you don't quit, don't give up, don't get distracted. Your citizenship is in heaven. 
The Lord has them do that because the Lord knows that our Christian race isn't always easy. In fact, by nature, born into sin, we'd want nothing to do with it. You know, you would think that everyone in the world would take hold of this blessed truth in Christ, this glorious gospel, that everyone would spend their life lifting high the cross of Christ and give him their glad and sincere worship and and live their lives to his glory, happily conforming their life to his word and to his will and in grateful obedience. Instead, all the while weeping with sorrow, Paul says that Many live as enemies of the cross. They think this whole idea of biblical Christianity is a bunch of nonsense, make-believe. They're enemies of the cross. They reject the one source of redemption that there is for a world of sinners. They reject the cross. They really couldn't care less about the cross. And Paul gets pretty specific. He says their end is destruction, so he takes us right to the final result. Those who live their life without Christ, without regard for the things of God, will find out that all of the things that they thought were so very important during this life won't make one bit of difference to them in eternity and won't do them any good. And without Christ and his saving cross, their end will be an eternal destruction in hell. Paul says their God is their appetite. In other words, what he means is they just chase after whatever their sinful desires tell them to chase after. They don't give any regard to whether it's good or godly or pleasing. Their their religion is, look, if it feels good, go ahead and do it. And Paul says that their glory is in their shame. Instead of feeling shame and and remorse over their sinful ways, they glory in their sin. They take pride in their sin. They celebrate their sin. They're thinking only about earthly things. And that's the way they view everything. They live for the here and now. That's their approach to life. That's their worldview. And that worldview shapes the way in which they live. Friend, look around you. That unbelieving worldview is more prevalent in our world today than perhaps at any other time in history. Now look, Paul isn't mentioning those things so that we feel better about ourselves or so that we start to look down our nose at others. He's telling us those things as a warning. He doesn't want us to live as enemies of the cross. He doesn't want our thinking to only be about earthly things. He doesn't want us to be influenced by the things of this world and lose our way. He is begging you not to focus only on the here and now because he doesn't want you to lose your heavenly inheritance. So friends, let's not think only about earthly things. Instead, keep thinking about your upward calling in Christ Jesus, your heavenly citizenship. Now, in the opening verse of our text, Paul says that he hasn't yet obtained that goal of eternal life in heaven. It's his. He will live there. His citizenship is there, but he's not living there yet. So in the meantime, what does he do? He says, forgetting the things that are behind and straining toward the things that are ahead, I press on toward the goal. Forgetting about the things behind. 
Paul wasn't ignorant of his past. He knew from where he had come. But he wasn't fixated on it either. Forgetting about the things behind. You can do that too, forgetting the past. Maybe you've been fixating on some shameful thing that you did years ago. Or some sin from your past. Or some serious mistakes that you've made in life. But friend, if you keep looking back at that constantly, you're going to lose speed in your race and you may lose your direction. In fact, if you keep looking back, you may trip and fall and be disqualified from the race altogether. You need to know that all of those things from your past, that shame, that guilt, that sin has all been taken away by the cross of Jesus Christ. In him your sins are gone. You don't need to live in the past. Your God says not only has he forgiven you, but he chooses to remember your sin no more. He tells you to stay focused, to keep moving forward, press on toward the goal. In verse 12, Paul says, that he presses on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of him. Now, there's a comforting thought. It wasn't always that way for the Apostle Paul, remember. But Christ Jesus took hold of Paul on the road to Damascus one day. You can read all about it in Acts chapter 9. The Lord appeared to Paul from a voice from the heavens. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And the Lord reached down and took hold of Saul, turned him into the Apostle Paul, called him away from a life of being a violent, hate-filled persecutor of Christians, and called him to a life of being the greatest missionary for Christ that this world has ever known. Christ Jesus took hold of him. That same Christ took hold of you, dear child of God. What amazing grace that is, right? The hands that rightfully should have pushed us away in disgust because of our sins instead have taken hold of us and embraced us and loved us, snatched us from the jaws of eternal death, gently placed faith in your heart, and Christ Jesus, who took hold of you, holds on to you. He keeps you as his own, and he guides you as you live your life of faith and trust in his promises. Because he wants, you to bring you, he wants to bring you to heavenly glory. Well, how does Christ Jesus do all of that? By speaking to you here in his word. Paul tells us in verse 15 that if we think differently on anything, God reveals this to us. He reveals his teaching and his truth and his will right here in the pages of the Bible. Here in the word he reminds you of the heaven that Christ won for you and the heaven that he's just waiting to give to you. Through his word he takes your mind off of all these earthly things and focuses you on your heavenly goal. Reminds you of your upward calling in Christ Jesus. He tells you that your citizenship is in heaven. Not only by means of his word, but also by the encouragement and the example of other believers. Look, it's important for you to choose the right kind of examples to follow in your life. Verse 17 says, Brothers, join together in imitating me and in paying attention to those who are walking according to the pattern we gave you. Right? Paul's saying that none of us are running this race alone. 
And he asks you to pay attention and to think about those Christians who can serve as your spiritual role models. Maybe it's someone who years ago taught you to know about Jesus and instructed you in the faith. Someone who took the time and cared enough to share God's truth with you. Maybe it's someone who prays regularly for you. Maybe it's parents or grandparents who made it a priority to see to it that you were brought up to know Jesus as your Savior. Maybe it's other Christians that you know in life. Maybe it's members of the congregation who just set an example of humble and and godly living, who prioritize the word and, and sacrament and weekly worship. Follow them, Paul says, as you press on toward your heavenly goal. Pay attention to them so that you can tune out the ungodliness that's all around you in the world today. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The upward call. Because our citizenship is in heaven. Live your life with your sights set on heaven. Paul says that we eagerly are waiting for our Savior from there. Yes, we rejoice to hear his voice as we live our lives. Yes, that voice comforts us and guides us and strengthens us. Yes, he has taken hold of us as we live our lives for him. But we are eagerly looking forward to that great last day, that judgment day, when the Lord Jesus comes to take us to live in the full presence of his majesty. And to that end, Paul concludes our section in verse 21 by saying, by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself, he will transform our humble bodies to be like his glorious body. You know, people in our world today tend to spend an awful lot of time thinking about and caring for their humble body. Don't get me wrong, that can be a good thing. God has made you a steward of your body and your health. But he's asking you to think. Over and over again in this text, he's telling us to think, to keep things in proper perspective, to remember that Jesus will return on the last day, and when he does, he will very powerfully transform your humble body, and he will make it like his glorious, glorified body. What a transformation that's going to be. It'll be far greater than any exercise plan, any workout, any diet you could carry out or follow, any gym that you could join. The Lord Jesus is going to give you a glorified body like his own body, an immortal body that will never again grow old or get diseased or wear out. This is a prize to look forward to, especially if your body this side of heaven has experienced all kind of pain or or sickness or disease or trouble. Imagine that. All of the weaknesses that we feel in our bodies, all the limitations in these present humble bodies, all of our imperfections and all of our defects will instantly and forever be purged away by this powerful, glorified Christ. So Paul says, press on and take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of you. Imagine if some oceanfront home in the Bahamas 
was already yours, bought and paid for. You're not living there yet. But think of how that thought in the back of your mind would bring a little bit of joy as you're digging out from another Michigan snowstorm. Think about how that thought would relieve some of the stress and anxiety that you face on a daily basis. Think about how that wonderful goal would give you strength and energy to continue to work at your job, making it through even your toughest days. Think about how it would make you look forward to that day when you'd finally move in and start living in that slice of paradise. You may not have some piece of paper that declares you to be the owner of some oceanside beautiful home in the Bahamas. But I have good news for you today. You are a citizen of heaven. Keep waiting eagerly for your Savior from there. Please don't get distracted. Continue to pray for his strength so that you don't think only about earthly things. Live your life carefully, child of God. Take hold of the one who has taken hold of you. No matter how busy you get, no matter how difficult things become, keep on thinking about your upward call in God, in Christ Jesus, and your heavenly citizenship. Join to Christ, encouraging one another. Let's all keep on pressing toward the goal because we know that our citizenship is in heaven. Amen. Amen.